It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. You don't have to break the bank to buy quality. The Renault Selection used car event is on from the 1st until the 5th of October with special APR offers, two years warranty, and two years roadside assistance on all quality used cars. T's and C's apply. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. A powerhouse, colossus, giant of a man, all terms being used to describe former Mead County Chairman Fintan Ginnity, who sadly passed away earlier today. Fintan served as Chairman of the Mead County Board from the mid-80s to 2005, and he presided over a golden era for Mead football. And I'm joined on Late Lunch this afternoon on the line by two men who knew him so well and soldiered with him through the those wonderful years. Sean Boylan's on the line, former Mead manager and Brendan Cummins, PRO and of course our own Mead GA correspondent. Brendan, Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks very, very much indeed, Jerry. If I could start with yourself, Sean, what's the feeling today in the county and with yourself on the news that Finton is gone? Well, there's an immense sadness because um, of the special qualities that Finton had. Over the last few days, Lads from the various teams have been contacting each other, saying Fint is not well, Fint is not well. And I was talking to Maura last Thursday, and um, oh, I suppose you can't live forever, but he was a man that you expected to live forever because you couldn't put him down. And when you stop and think, Jerry, and when people talk about ledges, when people talk about service, and... The president of around the association, John Horne, would talk about resources, but he talks about financial resources. The greatest resource we had was that we had Fintan Guinity because not only uh, was he an incredible worker, um, was he not just an incredible gal, come from an incredibly proud family, but he was in humanitarian well as well. The amount of work that he would have done behind the scenes that nobody would have known anything about was immense. But the other thing I'd say, and I'd have to say this, there's not, it's not very often in life you go through and you serve with somebody as I was fortunate for 20 years as my chairman. And um, nobody could ever say that they had a row with Fintan Guinty that was ever held against him because two minutes later, if he was after having a go at you, or more importantly, you were after having a go at him, it was as if it never happened. It was done. It was on. Let's get on with the thing. Everything was to do with the work at hand. An incredible family man, an immense GA man. But he was. He, there was a burning ambition in Fintan for doing everything right. Let it be in sport. Let it be in work, and let it be in family. And you know, to peg and all the family. My God Almighty, what have we lost? They have lost. A legend, and always will be a legend, but an amazing father and amazing husband. And uh, great Gael Gore, I, I am just heartbroken for Fintan Gilsey, that's all I can tell you. Brendan, uh, thank you for joining me on the show, our own Brendan Cummins. Brendan, you soldiered with him for years, and I met you recently, yourself and Fintan, at the um, removal of Gus Lenehan, and I was talking to both of you and talking to him. He looked a bit shook at that stage, but he was in great spirits, Brendan. He was, and he was, he was driving in July and August, and he was uh, mowing lawns and out weeding, uh, you know, until, until August. He celebrated his 91st birthday early in July, and he drove into Navan to meet a few of us that day, and in August, he was still driving up to August. 
but uh, he's been struggling since that, really. And, um, you know, he, he, if he couldn't converse, he, he got very frustrated on that because he was a great conversationalist. But I think uh, overall, and then I know we rush uh, Kevin Lennon, discussed Lennon's funeral as well, and he was a great man to, to go to the funerals of former former footballers and old gales, etc. He, he was involved, he was totally immersed in the GA. He, he lived his life that way. And um, I suppose the word that springs most to mind with Finton uh, when you look back on his, on his career and his involvement with the GA is the word leader and the leadership he provided. But leader, he was the leader of the Gaelas of Meath for, for those 20 years. And indeed, before that, he'd given uh, outstanding service to, uh, to the GA. And the, first of all, with Trumbara, his native Trumbara, of course, he was a native of Lloyd. The steeple of Lloyd there looks down over Trumbara football pitch and that. But he did play, played in a junior championship final with Trumbara back in 1953. And... Um, he, then Gail Colum Kill, of course, was formed. He was he, he was to the fore in that parish club in in the in the Kells parish, and he trained them in fact to to win uh, championships in the late 1960s. So um, he that was before he became prominent, if you like, at county board level. He was secretary of the minor board and Mead won a Leinster in 1985, and then he came, he came on then as chairman and chairman of the county board in 1986. And, you know, you can look back on the successes that Mead enjoyed on on the playing fields, uh, which unquestionably himself and Sean were a great, a great combination. There's no, you know, you, can, you have your manager of, of a football team, you have the players, of course, as well, but you have to have the backup as well. And Sinton, certainly, I think Sean would be the first to agree that Sinton was foremost in providing that backup at, at county board level. It wasn't always plain sailing. And there were, you know, Sean says there were disagreements here and there, and that Fenton would forget about them within hours, in fact. But there were very few people who didn't have a disagreement with him at some stage, but uh, there was no, there was never held, grudges were never held or anything like that. So I, I suppose while the, while the on field successes of the Mead team is always be linked with those successes and with Sean's uh, career as Mead manager. Um, there was also a lot of off-the-field work. There was the redevelopment of Park Halkin between 1986 and 88, and the reopening of it. It was an absolutely marvellous pitch, and, of course, the terrace as well. And um, then there was the purchase of Dungani, which was far seeing, uh, a far-seeing move. And uh, the Dungani, you know, the, the facility that's there today, uh, well, Sinton set the, uh, the the wheels in motion for all of that. He again, I think I go back to the the word leader. He he was an outstanding, an absolutely outstanding leader, Jerry. Now I want the two of you to to listen to this for a moment because you'll both remember, especially you, Brendan, on your retirement back in September 2017 from LMFM. The boys arrived, Matty arrived, Sean was here, and of course Fintan himself. And I've gone back to that interview earlier today, and I've taken out three little excerpts from it that I think sums up in a way what you've both said a moment ago. You'll hear him here at the beginning with a regret he has. Then he talks about his philosophy as chairman, and then talking about you. Let's have a listen. Swapped it all to be wearing the jersey. Would you? I would. I would definitely swap the whole lot for just to wear the me jersey. But at that time it was the greatest thrill of all. I not appreciate wearing the jersey. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong now. There's something gone wrong yeah. in the whole county. It's, the appreciation is not there any longer and I think that we have got to do something about it. I always let them talk, and uh, I, I never give out to anybody. As, as everybody knows, I never thought of anything. I always let them have to say what I told them they were wrong after. Oh, that's, that's a great leader. That's a great yeah, trade in a leader. Yeah. I love it. When you said I was chairman of the Mead County Board, he was the boss. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, no matter what was going on, we had to consult Brendan first. and I don't know how this county is going to get on without him and I, I do hope that he comes back in some form or another. Yes. It's, he was a tremendous man. He has that much influence oh, and, and his fingerprint on the success yes. over the years. Yeah. Yes. He knows everything. That's the killing part. Of it. <laughs> you, know, it, you just can't contradict him because he is always right and he has all the information. If you listen to his commentaries, 
Me hold her here nothing on him. Out on his own and a, a terrible loss to the county now. Yeah, a terrible loss to the county. We're talking about you there, Brendan, but yeah. today and uh, Sean, the loss is Finton this afternoon. But you hear there those things he would have loved to have played, his style yeah. as chairman, you know, talking there himself. Well, what a, what a, what a thing to have on your memorial card. Swap it all to wear the jersey, because that was him. And uh, nothing, nothing, nothing could surpass what he said himself. And then... Uh, you know, people often ask me, how did we have success? The reason we had success was because we had the players, we had the people with us, we had the clubs. But the man who kept the whole lot together was the late Fintan Gimsey, uh, and the Aaron. Brendan, he paid a hell of a tribute to you there. <laughs> I think he, he overstated a little bit. But anyway, um, no, he was very generous, of course, in, in, in his tribute. Um, uh, and and I'd like to repay that generosity. He, uh, I hope I have uh, at various stages where our careers uh, crossed. Um, he, but I, I do say he was a terrific leader, a terrific man, and uh, really uh, 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 our sympathies to Peg and the the family today um, in, in their great loss. We have suffered as gales in Mead. We have suffered a tremendous loss today with the news of Sinton's passing. But it, it's it's the family that we have to think of as well, and our sympathy, our deepest sympathy, goes to them. And I can assure you of this much: as long as as as, as long as Gaelic games, football, and hurling are played in Mead, the name of Sinton Guinnessy uh, will be associated with them and will be an inspiration. Hopefully, I, I probably more so in a, a, an administrative sense, Jerry, than in a playing. He did play. He was a good player. He was a tough player. It was hard, hard to beat in any, in any he, way. He crucified you, Brendan. He crucified you. Go by on your hands and knees. He wouldn't be. It was very hard to beat uh, 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 on the football field or uh, in, at, the, at, count, at the debating table or at the county board level. Delegates will ensure that it's hard to get the better of. But um, that, that, that's his legacy, and that's, that's the way it should be. You know, you don't, you don't like getting beaten, and you, you don't like to be put down. And Fenton certainly was like that. And it, it's a great quality. When all said and done, it's a great quality. And I hope that the future generations of me, especially in terms of administration, that they would follow the leg- that they would be inspired by the legacy which Fenton has left us. Well, Brendan, Brendan and Jerry. I was out in the Bray Maroons in Churchtown one night and Finton's name was proposed for the chairman of the county board. And his brother, his brother, uh, the, the great comedian, right, said yeah. to me, he says, Sean, do you think will the brother get the gig? And Finton got the gig. And my God, did he, did he respect it? Did he honour it? Did he bring it to a different level? And Noel would be the first to say he was an extraordinary man because he had a memory like an elephant. And talk about leading from the front. Even when he was getting on in years, he still couldn't stop working. He had driven with an ambition for perfection, for Ireland, for me. And um, our, look, at people like that don't come along too often, I can tell you that much. And we were terribly honoured and terribly thankful to Peg and the Nass and Moore and the lads. Look, at, um, extraordinary man, extraordinary family, and thank you. We leave it there, boys, for the day. Thank you so much, Sean Boylan and Brennan Cummins, for joining me on the show. I really do appreciate it. Yes, and we do, uh, from LMFM Radio, extend our sympathies again to his wife, Peg, and family. He, he was one of a kind, as the boys said there. May Finton Guinity rest in peace. I was earwigging our news yesterday and I heard local TD Declan Bratnock raising an issue with migratory fish in our rivers in the northeast, in the Dáil, with the relevant minister. I wanted to follow up on it today from an angler's perspective and I'm joined on the line by Alan Malloy, who's a member of Navin Anglers, but he's also part of the Boyne Catchment Angling Association, an association that represents 23 clubs on the Boyne and 2,000 anglers. Good afternoon, Alan. Hi, great to talk to you. Thanks for the time. No, not at all. Will you explain to our listeners what the issue is and with which species of fish? Sure. Um, so I, I represent uh, a whole collection of clubs all up and down the, the, the River Boyne, and all of us have been fishing for many, many years. And what we noticed this year was 
that from from springtime, from around April, May time, there's a, a lot of people, not just fishermen, but people walking along the point were starting to see salmon that were badly diseased. So you could see this white fungus on the back of the of, of the fish, and it was really, really evident in the water. Um, and it was salmon that people were spotting. And then since then, during the summer, when sea trout started to run, there was a number of sea trout that were exhibiting the same symptoms. And this is very unusual. It was very, very unprecedented that we'd see at that time of year. You normally see some, some, some salmon with some... Uh, marks on them maybe after they were spawning around like you know january february time frame but by the time you get as far as may any of the 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 fish that had spawned the previous year are gone and so what we were seeing was fresh salmon that were running that were coming in that were 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 suffering from a bad sickness so this that you describe this white fungus is a symptom of an ailment what is the ailment alan yeah, so uh, the plot thickens. So the, the white um, fungus, certainly from, from what we're, we're seeing online internationally and what we've heard from various experts in, in Ireland as well, is that um, saprolinia is the, the name of the white fungus that grows, which is a secondary infection that occurs when a fish is already sick. So the best analogy that I can use for that is that where somebody will get a, a, a chest infection or something like that after they've had a virus like a cold. So it's similar to that, but it's very, very visible. So by the time that you're seeing this white fungus, the white fungus isn't actually what uh, is is the root cause. The root cause is an as yet unidentified pathogen that is affecting the salmon. And there's been research going on in Ireland and internationally to try and nail what the primary infection is. And as yet, we haven't heard a definitive uh, answer to that. How widespread are the cases? Is this extensive or is it quite limited? Um, it, it seems to be quite extensive. To the best of my knowledge, the first report in Ireland that I heard that was reported into the, um, the fisheries board came from, I think, the Lennon. I could be wrong in that. And that was that was earlier in the spring, kind of May time frame. Um, I personally saw a fish for the first time around Paddy's Day this year. Um, and that was in a West Coast River. Um there's been a, a huge number of sightings on the Boyne, up and down the Boyne, um, the Fane, um, a load of rivers on the, on the East Coast. It's reported extensively. You can see it online. It's reported extensively in Norway and Scotland. So it seems to be pretty much ubiquitous. It's anywhere that the, the, the salmon are running in the northeast East Atlantic, there seems to be uh, reports of it, which would kind of indicate that this is an infection that is occurring at sea. Um, or that's affecting the salmon during that phase at sea because it's not isolated to one river catchment. And ultimately, the fish dies, and, and the fish is of no use. Well, I know uh, the boy you can't take a salmon from with the, with the bylaw that's been in quite a number of years, but death is the, is the outcome for, 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 the, uh, for the salmon or sea trout. Yeah, I, like salmon, everybody knows that the salmon numbers have been collapsing. We've got 90% fewer salmon. So only 10% of the, 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 the numbers that existed in the 1970s are running uh, our rivers. And it's really, really topical at the moment, not just from an angler's perspective, but overall, globally, we're seeing a really big um, focus on whether or not this is the sixth mass extinction that's taking place, whether or not biodiversity needs to be really brought up. We're seeing the importance of biodiversity. We're seeing an, an iconic species like the salmon. It used to be on our 10p piece. The, the salmon and knowledge um, was a boing, a boing fish. And in our lifetime, at the rate that things are going at the moment, we could be seeing the extinction of this iconic fish. And that would be an absolute disaster. It certainly would. What, what are you hearing from, I take it the, the Department of Fisheries, Inland Fisheries, the scientists are all concerned? Uh, they, they are concerned. I mean, from, from our side of things, obviously, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult from an angling perspective. It gets deeply frustrating trying to deal with, with um, getting something done about it. I have to, you know, hats off to Dr. Brannock. He was, he was incredible. Himself and a number of his um, colleagues, other, other TDs, have been raising questions in the Dáil, um, showing genuine concern. And we see really, really good proactive action whenever um, it gets raised at that sort of level. It gets raised at, at a political level. Um, I don't. I don't think that's a particular fault of our, our state agencies. I think the challenge that we have is that there's significant fragmentation across our state agencies. Um, it's it's impossible to, um, to to get things done. If, I'm going to give you an example of it. If, if if you look at the fact that biodiversity is the responsibility of national parks and wildlife service, and they're part of the Department of Culture, 
mm. the Marine Institute is part of the Department of Agriculture. Yeah. Um, the most engagement that we've had as an angling group on the river has actually been with the local authorities' water pro- waters program, which is part of the Department of Housing. And fisheries and the EPA are, are the Department of Comms, Climate Action and Environment. So if you want to try and um, sort out a problem like a crisis with with the salmon, you've got four different state agencies that you... Uh, sorry, not four, four government departments yes. and, and a countless number of state agencies um, to deal with. So It's uh, not easy. Uh, it's quite it's not quite, easy um, it's fragmented I hear what you're saying Alan I have to leave it there I'm going to come back to this next week I promise you thank you for giving us an update from the thank angler's you. perspective great thanks thank you indeed that's Alan Malloy there from the Boyne Catchment Angling Association there are still lots of people going sober for October lots take the opportunity to use this month as a time to give up the hoosh and live without it for at least 30-31 days my next guest on the show decided to give up alcohol about three years ago she stopped drinking and she hasn't taken an alcoholic drink since I'm delighted to welcome to late lunch Sinead Tiernan afternoon Sinead Hi, how are you? I'm Thank good, you by God, that's a bubbly hello, <laughs> isn't it? Is, does that sum up what life is like without a drink? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, now, we're here in the West uh, waiting for Lorenzo to <laughs> Oh, <laughs> batten up, batten down the hatches, should I say. Will you batten down the hatches when it comes to drink? What, three years ago? Can I ask you this? Were you a heavy drinker, a social drinker? What type of, of drinker were you? No, I wasn't um, a heavy, everyday drinker. Um, I would have been a social drinker, a social drinker. So basically, um, throughout my 20s and 30s, I lived in um, London and Dublin. So as you do when you're single and uh, working, I mean, I, I worked hard and I played hard, but it was like a Thursday um, Thursday, maybe night with work or a Saturday night. But um, as as I got a bit older, I'm 44 now, um, and the kids came along, you know, it, it was less frequently. But what I didn't like about it was the the guilt, the what is it, the Catholic guilt, you call it, that you got the next day. And that was simply what drove me to um, just say enough is enough, really. And what I was that like guilt? What was that guilt about? Can you tell me? Was it guilt that you were uh, not feeling a hundred percent the next day? What was it? Oh gosh, that's a good question. So um, I don't know. You just feel like I used to just feel like I was a bad person, or like I wasn't. Basically, I started about six, seven years ago doing a lot of personal development. So I spent a lot of time and money traveling to different events around the world on personal development. So while I was really upgrading my mindset, when I would go out on a night like this and feel like crap the next day, it would just make me feel doubly worse and go, look, mm. you know, this is something that is holding you back. Yes. So, so that, that is what drove me. Yes, really. I can so, you see. Know, I can see because they're at uh, opposite ends of the pole, really, yeah. north and south, for, for what yeah. you were pursuing around the world and going to, and then you arrived in this. I can see it. I can see it clearly now. Now, what, what was there a defining moment? Did you just pick a date or how did you stop yeah. or how did that happen? Yeah, so actually it was January 2017, but for most of 2016, to be honest with you, I had been, um, you know, going a few months without. And then an event would come up, a wedding or whatever, and I would have a few drinks. And, and, and kind, you know, that, then I'd get that feeling again the next day and i go, oh, come on. So in January 2017, I said, enough, you know. With having two young kids, so my two kids are seven and eight now, um, I just said, you know what, I don't want, I want them to grow up seeing a mum that can get her energy from elsewhere and just, I want to, I suppose, really be a really good example to them and show them that life can be a lot of fun without alcohol and at least they can make up their own decision then when they're older. So I suppose it's my kids or my why, which is really important with any goal is to have a big why behind you and, and my kids were it. Okay, so you say I'm giving this up. Was it for good or did you start initially to set a you know a target for yourself I'll give it up for a week a month six months was it like that so I had done the whole thing of the 30 days and um, I used to always do October November Mm. every year and it was never a problem 
easy peasy and then Christmas would come and you'd have the nights out. Um, but to really, I, I call it like, it's like breaking the habit of being yourself. I think you need to take a longer spell. And for me, in January 2017, I may have said outwardly it was for a few months, but I knew inwardly, my mind was made up at that stage that um, it, it was going to be a permanent a permanent um, thing for me. When you go to, I, I did a lot of work um, with Tony Robbins. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have. And Okay, so at one of these events, uh, events um, he does a process called the Dickens process, and it's you're visualizing your future and, mm. um, you know, to help rewire your mindset. And my thing that I used to always go to was visualizing me being really healthy and being completely alcohol free. So um, I had um, I had done that so much in the previous few years that really I knew in my heart that it was going to be a permanent move. And when you're a few months without it, that the feeling that you have inside, I mean, for me, it was just a no-brainer. Like, I wouldn't even consider it now. And never, never. You wouldn't be tempted one bit. Say, you know, you're a big family occasion and you see people around you having a great time. Were you never tempted in the, almost three years to partake? Honest to God, no, no. I literally broke the habit of, of broke broke the habit completely after... You know, a few, I think, to be honest with you, you know, some people say 30 days, whatever. I think when you do a year, you know, that was it. After a year, you just know. Well, I did anyway. I don't know about other people, Mm. but I did. And uh, Um, when when you look... No, I'm never, ever... And it wouldn't even enter my... um, Your head to to actually take a drink. You're not tempted or there's no weakness. I'd without it. Okay, so here's the thing. When you look now and you look from the outside in really now at this stage at others you know and I'm, I'm sure there's many occasions your family are there friends etc and they're partaking in a drink and they enjoy it and they have a, a lovely time with it what do you feel or, or, or maybe somebody goes over the mark a little and has a little too much how do you feel about that okay so yeah to be totally honest with you I I honestly wouldn't judge at all because I mean uh, you know, I, I did that enough over over the you know over yeah. the time, and um, I'm all on for having the crack, and I can go out with my friends, and they're drinking, and I'm not, and it's just the way it is, and 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 you know nobody would ever say to me have a drink, and I would never ever suggest to others to try what I've done, but friends do come to me and ask me, you know, they get curious, I suppose, when they see uh, having a so much energy as to you know what is it that you're doing to to have this energy but i wouldn't i wouldn't judge you know everybody to themselves and mm. um mm. you're you know, not I preaching know, I, I understand you're not preaching you know. to anybody today but you're telling your story to put it out there that there is a life without alcohol and a fine one at that okay let's split this into two now the upsides yeah. you say you're full of energy what else what are, are the other benefits of not partaking in alcohol okay so the the basics, like your sleep, obviously, is, is much improved. Um, energy, as you said. Um, you're just a lot more happy. I'm a lot more happier and fulfilled, is the way that I can put it. And I do stuff. My my daily routine is so different now to what it would have been, say, 10 years ago. So um, probably because I'm not living in London and I'm living near a lake. But I go, I go into fresh cold water every day. So I'm either in the sea or the lake. Um, I'm... You know, I, I've just just got, a, I suppose, a real appetite for life. And, mm. um, and do you think alcohol had suppressed that? That in a way, you know, when you have a, a bit of drink, you're hung over the next day, it might take you a day or so. When you're younger, maybe not, but as the years go on, I can vouch for it. It takes you more time to get over a few drinks. You don't have oh, that now. Yeah, no, it, it saps your energy and like it, it saps your, your dreams, kind of, you know, um yeah, no, you've just got a lot more passion, I suppose, and for life. Okay, and you don't have to pay for taxis when you go out. <laughs> you, you can go. drive there and drive back and know everything that's happened. Think of that benefit alone. It's a, it's enormous. Okay, so they're all the positives. Are there any downsides? Okay, are there any? I am going to have to really search for a downside. Is there a downside? Honest to God, in my opinion, there are absolutely no downsides. It's all upsides. I expected that answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are no downsides. Yeah. I mean, 
I love going out dancing. I love music. I love DJs. I love bands. I still do all that. And I and I get my highs from, I suppose, life rather than alcohol. Mm. You know, I suppose there is one downside. When I'm out, I cannot stay out for as long as I used to. So you get tired uh, quicker. <laughs> that is the only downside. Oh, God, I think if you were partaking, you might be even home earlier. I don't know. But anyway, that's that's conjecture. That's it. You'll have to you won't be trying that out yourself. I can say, uh, Sinead, what about what about uh, have your partner, you're married or whatever? Um, yeah, I have a lovely husband. Your Tom. husband. What, what, does he take a drink? So funnily enough, Tom gave it up. Uh, it's about a year and a half ago. I think he got jealous of the energy I was having. Maybe. He followed suit. Yeah. And I, it wasn't a case of, you know, Oh, you have to give it up because I've given it up. He just, he made the came to the decision himself and, and saw that it wasn't really adding much to his life. So he also gave it up. I can just see the energy bursting from that house as I try to envision it here with the two of you. But here's the thing. Never mind him. What about friends and people you would have gone out with and socialised with? Does anyone ever say it to you now? Or is it just a, a, a fact and, and nobody refers to it? So it is, if anything, we've got such a great circle of friends, like, and if anything, they'd be bursting with pride for what we did. Um, So, um, no, but it's funny you should say that, because I was listening to something the other day on the radio, and there had been a study done, and um, the people in this study were saying that they felt that non-drinkers judge them, and if their friends give up, they feel that they're judging them, which really... Surprised me, but then I was chatting to a friend about it and uh, they were saying maybe it was a younger, maybe it was people in their 20s that the study was done with. But certainly amongst my friends, hmm. no, they're all, they they just think it's brilliant that hmm. um, that we've been able to do this. And, and um, you know, yeah, we've a great group of friends. And I found it, and it was funny, a friend that has moved away, um, she got in touch with me lately and said, I post quite a lot of personal development, motivational stuff on Instagram and Facebook. And she was has obviously been sitting back listening and watching us. And she said, look, we need to do a call. I'd like to make um, changes in my life like you have. Um, I can see what it's done for you. So, no, if anything, it's, um, it's all good amongst my friends. So you do post, you're on social media. How can people follow you? Oh, I'm just under Sinead's tearing and there's a picture of me jumping into the lake, so that's how you'll know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Sinead Tiernan, follow her, check her out on across, and it's Instagram mainly, is it your, your, the platform? Yeah, Instagram yeah. and mm. it's all linked to Facebook. So okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. between the two. So you are certainly an advert for this. You Three years on, you're not going back, life is much better for you and you recommend it. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I just say to anyone who's curious, just give it a try. Mm. You know, give it a try for the 30 days. Um, you know, what happens sometimes then is people will do great for a week and then maybe the weekend hits and and, and they have a drink and they think, oh, that's it, you throw the towel in. It's like when you're doing a diet and you have yes. one bad meal and you throw it in for the whole weekend. So, But I'd say, like, always have compassion and forgiveness to yourself rather than guilt because guilt leads to absolutely nowhere. So um, just give it a try. If you fall down, get up again, try again. And um, just... just just give it a go. For Away you go, days. is right. Yeah. Uh, Marie's been on there, Marie Richardson, to say, well done to that lady, Jerry. I really admire her. Keep the comments coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Thank you for joining me on the show, Sinead. Wish you well. I'll be giving you a follow after the show. Thanks. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Sinead. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you have it. What do you think of that? Are you sober for October? Anybody taking it on this year? Have you kicked it in the past? Would you like to? I have to say, like, I find myself as I age, and I didn't take a drink until I was 25 years of age, and then I uh, took a few since then. Uh, I enjoy a drink, and I'm sociable with a drink. I like to think so, and I don't overdo it. Now and again, maybe, but... I do see, I do see, and I will say it, I'm better without it. I function better, I have more energy, 
I don't feel, uh, you know, a little bit tired the following day or maybe for a couple of days afterwards. There's a lot to be said for it. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Stay with us. I have a nice competition coming up next. Competition time on Late Lunch. Athboy Credit Union have been serving the community in Athboy for the last 50 years. And to celebrate, we have 50 euro vouchers to give away courtesy of the local businesses in Athboy all this week on Late Lunch. Today we have a 50 euro voucher for McElhenney's from men in at boy to stock up on the latest fashion this autumn or pick up something special for the man in your life. Now, to win this voucher today, I have a weak question for you, and it is credit union related. How many people are depicted in the credit union symbol? You know the symbol? The pair of hands and it looks like the world on top of it. There's a number of people in that credit union symbol. How many are there? How many people? That's the question. I want your answer. 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp. Get cracking and we'll be sending one of you to McElhenney's and your man will be looking lovely this year. I promise you. You know, I love this time of the year when the uh, evenings get shorter and the darkness comes in. It's all part of the uh, changing seasons. But I love it for... TV. I'm not a mad TV watcher. I love sport on television and news, especially in current affairs. Nature programmes, of course. A little bit of gardening thrown in. If there's any of the fishing, I'll tune into it on the uh, satellite channels. But I love Strictly Come Dancing. It started back and it's going great guns. And last night, The Apprentice began with Alan Sugar, the 15th season, and I'm addicted to it. And I really enjoyed it last night. One uh, victim, one person gone week one, Shaheen Hassan, was kicked out last night. And when you look at it, you'd wonder, wouldn't you wonder? Elite business people, young guns... You'd have to scratch your head at times, wouldn't you? But there is an Irish interest in The Apprentice this year. Her name is Pamela Laird. And I'll tell you, this lady, she didn't show a lot. Uh, The teams were split women and men last night. But watch her, because she was in Dragon's Den recently with her business idea. And three dragons tried to buy in and she rejected them all. She's now gone to Lord Sugar. Watch this space with this young woman. Let's hope she goes far in the competition and uh, the best of luck uh, to her in it. And I, uh, while we're on The Apprentice, I, I want to wish the very best of luck to Gavin Duffy and his wife Orla. Of course, Gavin, a former dragon in the Dragon's Den here in Ireland. They just announced today that they're selling up in Kilsharvin House and they're moving to Dublin. And there'll be a big loss, I'll tell you, to the North East. But we wish them well uh, in their new home and good luck to them with that one there. Now, what else was I to say to you? Yes, oh yeah, of course, I want to mention this. I was watching, uh, waiting for The Apprentice to come on last night, flicking round as you do. Who does I see? Shania Twain. Do you remember Shania Twain? Oh, she was mega, wasn't she, in our day? There she was in concert in Las Vegas, where she was for a number of years, and she was brilliant. She's been off the scene for a while. But you know about Shania Twain? I was reading about her then. I had to Google her quickly, see what age she was. She's uh, in the 50s now. But um, she separated from her husband. Uh, he, he's gone uh, because he had an affair with a lady. And guess what? Shania subsequently married that lady's former husband. What about that? Isn't that a little bit of news for you? Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Anyway, a little bit of gossip on late lunch this afternoon. Will we have a listen to Shania now? My baby, we might have took the long way We knew we'd get there someday They said, I bet They'll never make it But just look at us Still together, still going strong. Still, you're still the one I run to, the one that I belong to. You're still the one I want for life. You're still the
Yeah, Shania Twain on late lunch this afternoon. Hasn't she the most beautiful voice? You're still the one. And Finbar Wall, it's your birthday. You're still the one. The Sally Rings team sending you birthday wishes. So we'll dedicate that song from Shania to you this afternoon. Now, in case you didn't know, this week is National Breastfeeding Week. And uh, a couple of days ago, I popped along to the local Quidju group. They support breastfeeding mums. And we'll hear from them after the break. I enjoyed my visit 12 months ago so much, I'm back again today. Yes, it is National Breastfeeding Week and the Drogheda Quidju Group, am I right, Margot Duffy? You are perfectly right. Yes, Yes. in St. Peter's Church of Ireland. Do you meet here how often? We meet here once a week. We're here every Thursday morning from half ten until twelve. And you are so popular. Look in there through those doors. We're standing out here in the relative quiet at the moment, just to context this. But you have some attendance here every week. We can have up to 20, 25. And really what the group is, is a mother-to-mother support. All our counsellors are here to talk if they need help. And some of them do, but once they start coming back every week, they just start getting to know other mothers and they form groups. That's what we find is the best part of this group, is the mother-to-mother support. We're all volunteers, you know, and we have eight trained counsellors here in the group at the moment. It doesn't come natural to a lot of people. Come on, let's step in and have a chat with some of the mums. Yes, there's a little more lively in here because there are quite a number of mums here and babies in buggies and babies being fed and the the teapot is out as well. Very important. (laughs) Oh, very, very important. And they all, that's what it, they come in, they get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee if they want it and a biscuit and a chat. And like what we do find as time goes on, you'll see mothers grouping together that were here the week before and had met up and had, you know, got to know each other. And we also encourage mothers even to build a WhatsApp group between them when they're at home. You know, message one another because it's very lonely in the middle of the night when you're up feeding and you think you're not doing right. And, you know, so we, that's what we try and encourage as well. Yeah, Marie O'Hare is here with her it's child. Sadie. And Sadie is the baby enjoying a banana there and the mum is having a cup of coffee. Margot, I'll leave you for a second yeah. and go and have a chat. You might need to rock that buggy. Marie, how, how are, are you? Terry, how are you? You're one of the councillors. Explain, yeah. or will you tell us what you do? Um, well, we're down here every Thursday and really just to meet mams who are have new babies and who are breastfeeding and who, it can be quite a difficult time for new mams. Like it can be quite an isolation time and a scary time and you're so worried about your new little bundle. So I suppose most of what we do is when they come down here is just normalise what's happening for them and make them feel comfortable with what they're doing and encourage them that they're doing a good job as well. How did you hear about this or come here in the first place um, and well, how long are you here? Well I came here um, I'm from Drogheda but I moved back here when my first daughter was six months old and that's about seven years ago and um, I came down just for the kind of social aspect and I never left <laughs> they, they've got me hooked so I've, I've had two more little ones and um, I'm trained to be a counsellor, I started training about three years ago so I'm finished now You love it? Love it, yeah love it come down every Thursday, I wouldn't miss it and it's brilliant and it's just so lovely to be with people who know what you're going through and you can have a bit of a moan if you need to and no one's going to judge you or tell you to get the baby on a bottle or whatever. So it's just all about supporting, supporting mams. Hello, good morning. Hello. What's your name? Ying. And who's this? Adam. What age is he? 14 months. And tell us, why are you here in Quidju and when did you come here first? Well, I came here when I have my first boy. He's Sean. He's now three and we got some problem when we just started breastfeeding with my first. So the ladies just save our life. I can say that they save our life because my boy has turned tie and he has various, he has some problem with the weight gain. So, you know, the first time mom and dad <laughs> could be very frustrated. And then the public health nurse um, recommend this group to me. And so I came with my first boy and then life changed life change and then we know how to breastfeed and I even get more parenting tips from all the ladies like how to introduce solids, how to uh, save safe co-sleeping and many many tips. So I just keep coming back <laughs> even with my second. It must have been good when you're back here for a second time with a second baby. Yes and I can share my experience with others and it's nice to have a chat and have a cup of tea and <laughs> meet some new friends. Yes, so you've made a lot of friends besides all the help with baby. Yeah, even it's not really uh, meeting the same people. I, I can see that we are like having 
um, having some um, meeting new people every week. But it's good to have a check and can take a break because the baby is so so stimulated and so distracted here. And we can take a break here for the mummy. <laughs> good for baby, good for mum. Yeah, happy time. <laughs> Great, thank you very much. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Hi, uh, I'm Catherine. I'm one of the breastfeeding counsellors here. This is Koch. She is seven months. So I started coming here as a mammy about four years ago, my first baby. Um, I was the first in my family to breastfeed, so I really needed the support. I didn't have anybody really to ask questions. So this was a lifeline for me. So I suppose in the first few months, it was all breastfeeding questions. But then after that, it kind of becomes just a mammy to mammy support group. About two years ago, then I started the training and qualified in in December. Yeah. Breastfeeding week it is this week. Why? Why should new mums consider breastfeeding? It's an incredible start for a baby. And I think that if the mummies could come down here and have some support and realise how normal it is, I think a lot of us are embarrassed to breastfeed. But I think coming down here, even when you're pregnant, to just see how normal it is and that the first few weeks can be intense but that it does get easier and once you get over those first few weeks you really can be plain sailing so you're saying don't wait till you have baby come here when you're expecting baby exactly and we have a hundred percent track record of mammies who come down pregnant to come back breastfeeding so I'd really give a shout out to the pregnant mammies just to come down and see what it's all about. I don't think that mammies realise and I don't think we talk about how lonely maternity leave can be. You're coming from work, you're going nine to five to work and then you're at home on your own and there's nobody else off. Your husband's at work, your friends are at work. So really linking in with the toddler group or breastfeeding group is just fantastic because after a couple of weeks, you'll find the mammies are not talking about breastfeeding anymore. They're talking about the babies and is this normal, is that normal? Catherine, thanks a million. You have a gorgeous daughter there, (laughs) may I say. She's lovely. Look at the smiles. Thanks a million. Thanks, Jerry. I don't mean to disturb you. Your baby is busy there. What's your name? Helen. You're breastfeeding away here this morning with the Quidju group. How long are you coming here? Since 2011. Not not every year, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I was getting a little worried there. What number baby is this? He's number four. You've breastfed all four babies? Yeah, I have, yeah. Is it easy when you, you know, do it once and come back to it a second, a third, a fourth time? Does it get easier? It got easier for me. I think not necessarily every time, but it got easier for me. My first one, it was more difficult for me, and I didn't have people that like breastfed that I knew really. So the group was great for me to to go to the first time. In terms of your babies and feeding them, how long do you breastfeed them for? The first one was five and a half months. The second, ten months, and the last one a year. It's increased every time, mm. but I think the support of the group has helped with that as well. Do you believe that starting them on the natural milk and for the different times that you've had your babies on it, that it has made a difference to them health-wise? It's hard to know because I've only breastfed Mm. the babies, so I just believe it was what was best for them and they've all thrived with it. Was it difficult weaning them? No, it wasn't. No, I think because they were, well, certainly the last ones, they were more ready, so no, it, it wasn't. And who's this here that's feeding away? This is Nathaniel. Lovely. Very content there. Very content. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Helen, thank you so much. Wish you well. Breege, you don't have a baby here today. No, I'm due today, so waiting patiently for the baby to come. (laughs) And what number baby is this? Uh, My first. Oh, your first. Congratulations to you. How long have you been coming down to Could You? Uh, This this is my first day, so I just came down today just to be a bit maybe prepared and uh, know the faces before the baby comes along. Are you committed to breastfeeding yeah well I hope I hope so yeah yeah so I'm going to see how it goes but I yeah I would like to breastfeed and hopefully it'll be successful and go okay well listen good luck with your new arrival and please god you'll be back here sooner (laughs) rather than later thanks (laughs) thanks indeed indeed. here's somebody here for the first day I'm told with baby is that right you've just arrived what's your name Emma and this is Liam what what's brought you here this is third baby third breastfed baby and I just thought it'd be nice to meet some other mums who are breastfeeding as well. And have you a good network of friends or do you see this as potentially something that will open that up even further? Um, something that will open it up even further. So I have a, I have a couple of friends who are breastfeeding as well. Uh, they've been very supportive, give a lot of advice. But it's nice to extend the bubble. 
Exactly. Is. So third baby. Third baby, baby number three. And you've breastfed them all? Yes. So Roisin up to one, Tomas up to two and a half, and then Liam here is number three. Why did you breastfeed initially? I said initially I'd give it a go. All, all my babies were sections. That wasn't a choice. It's just how it worked out. I found breastfeeding really helped me connect with my babies and bond with them. I didn't have, you know, kind of the, the, the labour, the, the natural birth, that type of thing. Uh, so that was what first brought me to it. And then, honestly, after a few weeks, it gets very easy. The first few weeks are difficult, but after that, it's, it, it's a lot easier. No sterilising bottles, no carrying around, you know. You have a boob, you can, you can go anywhere. There's a lot to be said for it. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is. And the first few weeks can be difficult and it's a bit unusual. Like, all of my family have formula fed their babies. So I was questioning myself an awful lot. How do I know they're getting enough? How do you know, you know, kind of everything is okay? Am I doing this right? So for baby number one, there was a lot of questioning. But it falls into place. It falls into place. You talk with people, you ask questions, and you kind of just, you pick up your cues from the baby. And that's it. You're great. Emma, thank you so much and good luck to yourself and Liam. You're with a great group here. You can, I'm sure you can feel that already, even though it's early doors. Thanks a million. Thank, thank you. you. Well, let's have a word with Jen Campbell. You're a doula. I am. I'm a postpartum doula. So that means that I go into the house after the baby is born and help the family out with anything that's related to the newborn and for the mum. Why become a doula? So I'm not a birth doula, so I, I'm, I don't go into the labour ward or anything. Um, I'm just really interested in um, infant mental health, in um, perinatal mental health and making sure that the mum's okay so that she can be the best mum that she can be. I think that there's a real need for it. Um, the services here are so stretched that you know they just they can't see every single person on an individual basis. So... Um, to be able to go in and help someone out is really good. Mum can go and maybe have a nap. I could cook dinner, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's all about connection and, and helping them. And how do people find out about you or where you are? Are you available to help? Yes. Yeah, I'm local. I'm in Drogheda. Um, and, um, yeah, I run a consultancy myself. So people can find me online. Um, the business is called Bear and Bundle. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I teach people how to use slings, um, run courses for new parents. So, yeah, it's really good. What's your reason there to be here today with the people here and the breastfeeding group? I'm actually training to be a breastfeeding counsellor. My third son was born in England where there was a lot of depravity, I suppose, and breastfeeding rates weren't that high. So I got involved over there and then transferred my skills over here and just see it as a lovely way to give back, I suppose, and connect with new mums and babies. And yeah, Have you breastfed yourself? I have. I, on my first two, was for a few months, and then on my third, it was up until he was three. So I guess that's kind of unheard of here. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's not the norm, but... I suppose, yeah, that's the direction we took for that, and yeah. How do you wean a three-year-old boy? Did he want to continue breastfeeding? Yes, and he's four now, and occasionally still asks for it. When we moved to house, he would ask for it again. It's a gentle thing. It's you know, I worked from home. I find it very hard that I was with him all day, and he just saw it as an opportunity whenever he felt like it. So for me, it was an individual choice. The World Health Organization recommends that you breastfeed up until two years of age and beyond. So I just had that in mind any time I felt frustrated or, you know. Yeah. Is he finished now? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Would you do that with another child? Would you, uh, would you feed on for that length of time? Or what would you say to mums? What do you think is an ideal time to breastfeed for? You mentioned the World Health Organization there, but from your experience... I think it's a very individual experience. Breastfeeding has enormous benefits for the mum and for the baby. But at the end of the day, it's whatever suits you. It comes down to your own mental health. What I tell mums is take one day at a time. You never know what tomorrow will bring and just do what you can. Yeah. Good luck to you with uh, another aspect to your skill set, which yeah. this will be. Jen Campbell, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, nice to talk to you today you too. here. Thank you. So, Margot Duffy, before I leave you on National Breastfeeding Week and leave these busy mums to get on with what they do best, will you just remind our listeners again about how they can get in touch with you? Um, they can get in touch on our Facebook page, 
they don't even have to get in touch. They can just turn up here on a Thursday morning. We're here every Thursday morning from half ten until twelve o'clock. And we have our Drahada Quidju Facebook page as well, which we put information up the whole time. The mums come here on a Thursday. We talk to all of them. We see what difficulties they have. Any issues that come up then, we will put articles about that on the Facebook page for the, you know, during the week. So there would be loads of information on that Facebook page as well. Everybody welcome expectant mums and mums with new babies as well to St. Peter's Church of Ireland Hall at the top of Peter Street in Drogheda, Thursday, 10.30 until midday. Thank you, Margot Duffy, for inviting me again this year on Breastfeeding Week. It's been a real privilege to be with you. Thank you very much for coming, Jerry. It was lovely to have you. I will remind you that flu causes death and hospitalisation every single year. What's the best way to avoid it? Flu vaccine, of course, and it's in right now in your local pharmacies and at your GPs as well. And we're going to talk about it for the next while with Cathy Marr from Haven Pharmacy in Dulic. Cathy, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jerry. A blustery one out there today. It certainly is. I hear it uh, kicking up a storm even from here. Anyway... Tell me first about this and just distinguish this. Flu as against the common cold or cough. What's the difference? The difference is, yeah, it's, it's, and sometimes, you know, you hear, God, I've got a really bad dose of the flu. And how do you know the difference? Flus are sudden. They come on severe. Sometimes people can even pinpoint three o'clock today. I got this headache. The severeness or the severity really hit me. Colds come on a little bit slower over a couple of days. They might start with the runny nose, a bit of a headache, the cough, the tickle and just feeling generally miserable. Symptoms of a cold can be really severe as well and can be debilitating, but flu is a life-threatening illness on some. It's sudden, it's a temperature, fever, more than 38.5, 39 degrees, um, tends to, like, Basically what we'd say, if there was a tenor on the doorstep and you could get up to get it, you don't have flu. That's nearly the old-fashioned way of looking at it. Flus can be very, very fatal in some people. They can cause hospitalisations, respiratory conditions. Pregnant women are at risk. Older people are at risk. They're some of the risk groups that we want to look at. Colds can last for two or three weeks. You know, when you have a cold, you think, this this thing's not shifting. How do I get rid of it? Flus are sharp and severe. How do you mind it? You don't always have the, the cold-like symptoms. You don't always have to have the nasal symptoms, the runny eyes, the cough with the flu. With a cold, you go off, you get the, the over-the-counter medicines that are used to treat the symptoms or symptomatic treatments. With flu, it's paracetamol, ibuprofen. So that's maybe Calpol if it's a child or paracetamol for older people and Nurofen or ibuprofen. They're antipyretics and what they are is they reduce temperature. And as the temperature stops the dehydration, as soon as the temperature spikes, you're going to lose much more fluid. So you need to stop and keep control of the temperature and generally then just rest fluids, stay away from people, try and minimise the spread of flu. So that is quite clear now. So we know we stand cold versus flu. Flu season, is it here now or is it slightly later in the year? It's generally, it's usually October to April. That's how we categorise it. Um, We are a little bit behind the Mm. WHO. We're a little bit late in determining exactly which viruses, which strains are likely to hit this side of the globe. So we have four different virus strains included. So we've Brisbane, um, Phuket, Colorado, and the fourth one has escaped me. Um, it doesn't matter. They're from the other side of from the world. Somewhere else. And they've been but there. So that's the idea with there. this. Exactly. And then they develop these vaccines because it's going to come our way. Anyway. our way. Simple as that. Exactly. But we, flu is uh, a, a real possibility from now. Now, uh, the vaccine, I said you have it. You have it. The pharmacies, pharmacies have it. Pharmacies have moment. it. GPs have it. Yes. Absolutely. We are asking people. We are a week or two behind. We've had. We've been in on data since the start of September. Can I get my vaccine? And the vaccine deliveries were a little bit behind. And now we're right there saying, we're like, let's get going. Let's get everybody vaccinated. So you go along to your pharmacy, go along to your GP, get vaccinated. If you, especially if you're in the at-risk group. And so, what are the ask at-risk groups? So anyone with a long-term condition. So if you think, well, you know, I might have asthma, but I've lived with it all my life. I don't have a long-term condition. That's just me. If you attend a doctor once a year for a regular condition, that's a long-term condition. So we would say that's an at-risk group, whether you're a carer. And this is one of my big, big points, Jerry, and I say it to you every year. Carers are amazing people. 
but they don't always care about themselves. And we need to make sure that they protect themselves and they protect those they care for. So it's not only just to protect yourself from flu, it's to protect those you care for. So carers need to get the flu vaccine. Healthcare workers mm. are 10 times more likely at developing flu because obviously we're in contact with people with the flu virus much more often. So they need to get vaccinated. Anyone who has other conditions such as being maybe morbidly obese, because again, this attacks the respiratory system. And if you're not at full health, to fight these viruses, then you're at risk of developing pneumonia, other respiratory complications, cardiac complications, and subsequently it could be fatal. What about pregnant women? That is absolutely vital. It's a huge, huge at-risk group, not necessarily for, again, the pregnant lady, but there's a high risk of miscarriage, early delivery or problems with baby. So it's really important. And sometimes if you think about it, a pregnancy can extend over two flu seasons. Somebody could have developed discovered they were pregnant maybe last March and had a flu virus or a flu vaccine do they need to get vaccinated again now when they're maybe not due till November, December yes they do, so you need to have vaccines in both flu seasons the flu virus, the flu vaccine changes from year to year because as we said the viruses, the strains that are going to affect this part of the world change from year to year so it's really important that you get the flu vaccine every year What about the younger age category you mentioned the uh, older senior and vulnerable as well how young can you give a child can a child receive the vaccine from the age of two upwards so anyone that is under nine and at risk if they have a long-term condition with a serious long-term condition such as a child that's on chemotherapy or a very serious illness or whether they have asthma or a long-term condition that requires regular monitoring under the age of nine they must go to the GP and get their vaccine absolutely no question of it children now they're from this year from the age of 10 upwards we can now vaccinate in community pharmacy from the age of 10 upwards up until this year we were only allowed to vaccinate 18 upwards so we're delighted now to be able to reach that cohort of patients because it means that we can reach more people. You don't have to be sick to get the flu vaccine. That's the other thing. We have very often people that just don't want to get the flu and private patients, they just want to try and protect themselves. So if you want to try and protect your child against flu, whether they have a long-term condition or not, they can be vaccinated either in the pharmacy or in the GP surgery. Obviously, we want to get people who are at risk vaccinated first and quickly but anyone else can avail of the vaccine. A child who has seasonal asthma who has the cough already, mm-hmm. you see it you know into September and now October as well, mm. not sick but just has the, the cough you know and yeah. those symptoms associated, can they receive the vaccine? Absolutely. So before we vaccinate anyone, we check, we just do a general health check with them and we also take their temperature just to check because sometimes people can feel very well and they might have a raised temperature that could be indicative of something else that's a the, that's brewing. So if that if the child has asthma and they're coughing and the asthma cough is very distinctive and that tends to be usually late at night, early hours in the morning, so anything between maybe 11 and 12 at night up to 4 or 5 in the morning, if they're coughing regularly at that time, for me as pharmacists I'd say that's indicative that the asthma might be worsening. So we'd be looking at changing or increasing the dose of the steroid inhaler to try and get that under control. But if that's all it is, I'd be happy to go ahead and have that child vaccinated. If they have a temperature associated with it, then there's a chance they have another virus and I'd rather not have them vaccinated at that stage. How uh, soon after getting the jab will the uh, vaccination become effective? It takes two weeks to be fully effective. For the first 24, 48 hours, you may begin to experience some side effects, but it does take two weeks to be fully effective. Nothing is 100% protective against the flu. There are other things that we can do to help protect ourselves, but the only thing that gives you the best chance is also the flu vaccine, so it's really important to get it done. Marie said she's had it on a couple of occasions, just a comment there, and she didn't feel well after it. Is that a myth that you get the flu? Inside the vaccine... Inside the vaccine, there's four different strains, as I said. They're all inactive or killed viruses, so they can't give you the flu. What your body's doing is building up these antibodies to be able to fight those viruses when it comes in contact with them. But after the vaccine, you do have some side effects. Some people experience them a little bit worse than others. So you will always have maybe a bit of a tender arm, sore arm, a bit of redness, even localised swelling around the injection site. I know oftentimes I'd be thinking a day or two later, what was I doing that my arm was so sore? And then I'd remember it's the vaccine. Other times people can feel a bit flu-like, so they may have a raised temperature for 24 hours, they may feel generally unwell, a bit of fatigue, a bit of malaise, just feeling a little bit unwell for the first 24, 48 hours. That again is fine, treat that with paracetamol and ibuprofen. Oftentimes people feel that they've become quite unwell in those first couple of weeks. 
that tends to be a coincidence. They've become exposed to another virus. There's loads floating around at the minute. We haven't had any cases of influenza or flu yet, but we've seen loads of chest infections, loads of just viral respiratory things. And there's loads of that going around. And if you become into contact with that, the flu vaccine isn't going to protect you against that. It'll protect you against the flu viruses, but you may still pick up another respiratory virus. Uh, another one there uh, that says, uh, and I think you've answered this already, should people with low immunity, such as somebody living with cancer, have the flu injection? Absolutely. Okay. Someone who's living with cancer should have the vac- flu injection and also those around them to prevent them. Because healthy people pick up the virus, may not develop flu and can pass that virus on to someone else. One really important thing to do is hand washing. It's really, really important. If you think of how far I sneeze, and I show the kids regularly... The YouTube video of how far a sneeze travels. It travels very far. And those the flu is respiratory droplets. So the viruses are everywhere. It's hand washing. If the sneeze, it's catch it bin and kill it into the tissue and into the bin. Wash the hands. Hand washing is really, really important. One of the biggest things we can do to help the spread of the virus. OK, so that's an important thing to do. Don't sneeze out. You know <laughs> people sneeze out. And I'm sure if you could see that in camera as all those droplets travel it's everywhere. On YouTube. You're infecting the whole Google it. It's place. a great one to show. So look, the message is the vaccine is available from your local pharmacy and GP. Book the appointment. Get it done now. Absolutely. The earlier, the better. What we tend to see is we're very, very busy with vaccines at the start of the season. Then, as human nature dictates, we all become a little bit complacent. Flu illnesses start to kick off and then we get really busy again around November, December. We haven't had an epidemic for a couple of years. We've been watching to say we don't know if there'll be one this year. But the best way of protecting yourself is protect yourself from early on. If you get it today, it's going to be two weeks before it's fully effective. Mm. So the earlier you get it, the better protection you give yourself and your family. So the message is get it done now and reap the benefits down the road. Cathy, we'll leave it there for today. You'll be back shortly because we have more to chat about, about uh, supplements and vitamins and lots of other things to be tackled with the winter season. But for the moment, Cathy Marr from Haven Pharmacy in the League. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you. That's a lot on late lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Eddie's coming next with the drive. We're back tomorrow, 1.30, with the final late lunch of the week. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. You don't have to break the bank to buy quality. The Renault Selection used car event is on from the 1st until the 5th of October with special APR offers, two years warranty and two years roadside assistance on all quality used cars. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.